I'm going to preach this morning on the subject, a template for success. I'm going to finish the message tonight, or if you want to stay an hour and 15 minutes, I'll finish it this morning. I'm not going to take a vote on that. Uh, but anyway, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you, I, I'm going to not ramble, but I am going to go slower than usual uh, as I uh, work to help us to recognize what's happened uh, this week. Because some, many here today, were born into a nation that killed its unwanted, unborn and that's been a natural thing for them, but that is an unnatural behavior. And I'm glad that has changed today. The book of Deuteronomy was written by Moses. It was his final work of life and written in his latter years. The word deuter means second or repeat. And so he takes the laws, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and he repeats and rephrases the same laws and writes for them, if you will, a constitution for the nation of Israel. It is interesting to me that one of the very first things he did was to choose men that would be judges over the people. So when there was a misunderstanding among the people, one opinion differed from another opinion, the judge would make a decision not based on which had more money than the other or which had more influence than the other, but he would take the law and he would judge righteously, sometimes siding with one, sometimes siding against both, but declaring what was right according to the word of God. There was a day, and America once understood this, when the judge walked into a, into a courtroom, and they still stand today, but there was a day in America that they stood not for him, but they stood for the book or the law that he represented. And we mistakenly transferred a respect from the law to the judge. The judge is the representation of the law. He is not the law. Just as the policeman does not enforce his opinion, he is deputized to enforce the law. And so they chose in the nation of Israel to choose judges that would make right and righteous decisions. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. We rejoice this morning. The Bible says, when the, when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. And I state, as I have already, but for sake of this sermon, this week's ruling of the Supreme Court was the greatest moral victory in America that I have known, and perhaps in the history of our nation to get this thing right again about respecting life. We don't understand how much of a game is being played by those that have and are deceiving and being deceived. The last 50 years it has been illegal to disrupt the nest of a bald eagle. You could go to jail or face a penalty for 
for destroying the eggs of a bald eagle while at the same time could murder an unwanted, unborn child. So we recognize, and they debated as if it were a game to see how many people they could deceive as to when life began. We know when life begins, and it doesn't take a scientist or a doctor to tell us. In fact, the Word of God uses the word again and again and again, conceived. And we rejoice and we announce a baby is on the way. I'm glad to say today there is now no federal protection for the killing of the unborn. It is hard to believe that we have survived such a horrendous and barbaric behavior against life and humanity. I'm encouraged that God's grace and mercy has shined on our nation to see this change made to think that a multiplied millions of babies have been vacuumed out, dismembered, or torn apart piece by piece from the womb is more than a tragedy. To think that we had reduced our behaviors to such a low level that we disregarded all morals of decency is shameful. And so today we rejoice as we saw the court reverse that decision made some 50 years ago and now protects or permits the states to protect life. It is hard for me to imagine the attitude and vitriol of those who want to continue this barbaric act. It is surprising to me to see a man or a woman get on the television or in public and with anger and passion say they want the right to murder. Hey folks, the choice of morality is still available. Nobody has taken that away. Some behave as though women become with child without knowledge of what in the world happened. Must we be so ignorant? Must we allow people to get on television and act as if you and I are so ignorant that they were surprised that they woke up one morning to find that they were with child? The Bible says in Exodus chapter 20, Thou shalt not kill. The Bible says in Exodus 21, 22, If men strive and hurt a woman with child, so that her fruit depart from her, yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished. Psalm 22, verse number 10, I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Psalm 139, verse number 13, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination unto him, and one of those that are listed are hands that shed innocent blood. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse number 5, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh 
all. By the way, I would add, some would make you think that rape and incest is the only thing that causes a woman to be with child. Let's not let that foolishness, that sleight of hands and words and deception keep us from believing what this book says right here. Isaiah 49.1, Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, you people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed thee in the belly, God said to Jeremiah, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Luke 1, 41, And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe, talking about John the Baptist, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. This victory for life did not just happen by chance. Victory of what we saw this week did not happen by chance. It was the result of many good behaviors, good decisions, and stands for right. Now, I want you to listen to me. These things must continue. What brought about this week? Well, first of all, there have been a multitude of prayers prayed. How many times have we prayed that our nation would come to its senses and protect the unborn? For more than 20 years, on the 4th of July, I have been a speaker at a camp, whether it was our camp, Circle C Baptist Ranch, or Cedar River Baptist Camp, where Brother Smith was a camp director before he came here. And so I preached on a patriotic message every year for 20 plus years in a will again, uh, a week from Monday at the camp. And, and uh, I have in preparation, in praying for America, I've said these words. Lord, I'm embarrassed what's going on in my nation. I'm embarrassed that there is such immorality and there is such destruction of innocent life. Oh God, would you forgive us of our sin? Is it possible, God, that you could bless our nation with this behavior going on? God, I pray that the day will come that there is no federal protection, there is no law that would protect murdering the unborn. I say today, thank you for your prayers. You say, my, I don't know if my prayers made a difference. No prayer to God is a wasted prayer. Thank you for praying. How many of us have prayed for 50 years? Oh God, forgive us of our sin. This victory is the result of God's people understanding that this evil can only be turned by the grace and mercy and the omnipotent hand of God. And dear friend, it was not by popularity. It was not by cultural influence, but it was the influence of heaven. It was the answer of prayers of God's people. Thank you for praying. It was a result of many sermons preached. How many pro-life Sundays 
How many pro-life services have we held? And I'll be honest with you, I've always had in my heart, when I go to God in this subject, a bit of embarrassment. I've thought of Nehemiah chapter 1 and the prayer that Nehemiah prayed and he was embarrassed at the behavior of his people that brought about the judgment and so many times I've preached on life and the verses that I read a moment ago as I prepared to preach on them to understand this behavior is going on. Thank God for the men of God for the last 50 years whether it's popular or unpopular, legal or illegal, that have lifted their voice and preached for the lives of innocent children. It's the result of prayers. It's the result of many sermons preached. How many family discussions and family altars have taken place that we tried to explain and how difficult, nearly impossible to explain. How do you tell a child that loves a little puppy or loves a little kitten, I hate to say that, um, that loves a little animal and to them to say, Daddy, they wouldn't kill a little puppy, would they? How many times have we tried to explain to our children and then we said, Oh God, please heal our land. How many times have we read 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14 and we always got stuck on turn from their wicked ways and yes, we could talk about our sins that we can turn from but living in a nation that murdered its unwanted. I heard them say this week, we're behind other countries. And I thought, yes, those countries, they're for euthanasia too and I think I'll stay behind those countries on that issue as well. How many personal and public stands have been taken for life? No doubt many of you have marched in a march just to say, I want everybody to know I'm for life. How many times have you put on a white t-shirt and some type of a sign or symbol of life or of a baby and said, regardless of what this world says, I am for life. I don't know how many times I... And, 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 and I've spoken in right to life rallies and I've spoken at the, at the Capitol on the Capitol steps and we've known it was wrong. And I want to say this morning, we have a reason to rejoice and to celebrate. God has heard those prayers. He's heard the, the behaviors. He's seen the behaviors of God's people and is granted victory. There have been many pro-life conservatives elected Elections have consequences, I've heard it said. Our representatives and our leaders on, st on state and federal levels, some have given to support a pro-life candidate. Some have made calls. Some have walked. Some have talked to their friends and others and said, look, we've got to elect this person to this position because they're pro-life. We can't keep sending folks uh, uh, to Frankfurt and to Washington that are not pro-life. And many times we made a decision based on that one issue, pro-life. Among others, I've talked to my brother Chris several times since Friday because my brother Chris is not only a retired state policeman, he not only is a pastor of Gospelite Baptist Church in Hazard, he is a state representative that represents his district. 
They've changed a couple of counties lately. It represents Perry County, Owsley County, and Breathitt County. My brother Chris had the opportunity to introduce what was called the Heartbeat Bill in Kentucky. He introduced it on the House floor. Now, he's not the author of it. He was just chosen as the one that would stand and introduce the Heartbeat Bill. had many co-signers and sponsors. And, of course, a judge struck it down in Kentucky. I remember the day when Governor Bevan called me and he said, I'd like to talk to your brother Chris. I said, yes, sir, what about? He said, I'd like to talk to him about running for office. And I said, well, I think I know what he'd tell you, but I'll bring him over. I took my brother to Governor Bevan's office in the Capitol when he was governor. It was in his just first few months. And he said to my brother Chris, he said, I know you're a pastor and I know you're passionate about people and I'd like for you to consider being state representative. He said, I ain't interested in politics at all. I'm glad to meet you, but I'm not interested in that. And he said, well, I'm not either. He said, I want to talk to you about politics. I'm talking, I, I want to talk to you about being a pro-life voice in your district. He said, I'll tell you what, if you'll help me in the pro-life issue, I'll help you to get jobs and help the economy in the mountains. I'll never forget, my brother just put his hand out. Governor shook his hand. He ran for office. Some of the large corporations have sent him money. He just writes, return to sender and sends it back to him. He said, I'm not the representative of corporations. I'm the representative of my people in this district. I'm going to represent right. And I tell that story about him and their others and I don't know them as personally and, 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 as I know him but there are many pro-life candidates that have stood and by the way you ought to thank your representative and your senator we've worked to elect leaders who have chosen judges that have led us back to a place of decency and respect for life by the way Kentucky is a great place to live today Kentucky has what's called a trigger law, which means abortions were illegal as soon as the decision was made. I texted Governor Bevan Friday and I said, thank you for signing the, what's called the trigger law, making abortion illegal. I sent that to him Friday. In fact, yesterday evening, I said, I'm still so excited. I can't wait for church tomorrow. I just want to say thank you again. And I've texted many of our representatives Thank you for working to elect those people. They made a difference. They did what the Bible said in Deuteronomy chapter 1. We chose people who believe in life. The five Supreme Court justices themselves, Barrett, Alito, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and Thomas. John Roberts voted to uphold the Mississippi abortion ban. He did not vote to overturn Roe v. Wade, but he did vote for the state's rights bill. President George H.W. Bush, President George W. Bush, President Donald Trump, who appointed those pro-life judges, I appreciate them. Now, now, I've said to God, I understand you're in control. And as I'm thankful for these people, I'm thankful for you first and foremost. These are the people that have worked to appoint pro-life judges. In fact, I personally shook hands with President Trump and I sat in his uh, limousine and I told him of the four things I appreciated about him. I appreciated his support for life. We have much to be thankful for today. 
We're quick to complain and there's a time to complain. There's also a time to say thank you. And we ought to make sure we say thank you. America was built on the fact that our rights are not government given, but our rights are God given. And they begin with the right to life. God never permitted, allowed, or made provision for the killing of any innocent child. And our forefathers, in the writing of the documents that founded our nation and declared our independence, they recognized that it's God that gives us our rights. I read to you again, as I've read many times through the years, one of the most beautiful writings of men's pens, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's gods, God entitles them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. We don't get our rights from the government. The government gets its powers from the governed. Sometimes that gets confused, just like God didn't serve us, we serve God. That when any form, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem likely to affect their safety and their happiness. Now let me get down to the purpose of the message and what that leads me to. I'm going to introduce it. I'm going to preach the message tonight. Typically, when there is a failure in our lives or in anything, there is an evaluation as to why we failed. Are you with me this morning? For example, in a sporting event, when a football team loses a game, they evaluate to see what caused us to lose. Whether it's a sporting event, whether it is an election, whatever it may be, there is always an evaluation when there is a failure. However, we typically do not evaluate victories think with me, I think it's a mistake. I think it's a mistake not to evaluate a victory because I believe when we have a victory, we should take note as to what caused that victory and do it again. Now here's why I say that. If we look at what caused the victory of this week, the prayers, the preaching, the personal stands, all of those things, then I say, why not do it again? Why not do it again? Why not kick out these folks that are teaching evolution and humanism and communism and bring back the Bible and prayer to our schools? Why not do that? I heard them talking about mental health evaluation. 
and figuring out how we can deal with this mental health. I thought this week, well, they've all been flushed out into the streets, just throw a net on them. And anyway, um, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, outside the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so if we've seen this victory, some may say, well, I'm satisfied for this. I'm not satisfied. America needs revival. Our nation needs revival. We don't need to send our children to school to be introduced to a drag queen. Our children need to go to school to learn to read and write and learn respect for God and country and their parents. That's what schools are for. Why not repeat the success? Why not say, well, we have prayed and we have preached and we personally stood. We've chosen people to uh, 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 stand for what's right and we've seen victory in life. Why not see victory in education again? I said, let's bring back the Ten Commandments and hang them on the walls everywhere. Let's start with the fact there is one God, and that's the Creator God. And we're going to have no other gods. This idea, well, we want to be kind to everybody. Understand, we want to be kind to everybody because the God's, God is the Creator of all of those people, and there's never a reason to be unkind to folks. Our job is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not being unkind to folks, but I say, let's bring back the Ten Commandments. I say, let's dust off the Bible, the family Bible, on the on the coffee table in the living room and start opening it and reading it to our children again. Somebody say amen right there. If, if we can see this victory, let's analyze it. What, what brought about this victory? Do you understand after 50 years? Do you understand? I mean, this is an impossibility without God. But if God heard our prayers on one front, God can hear our prayers on another. I say this morning, there is hope for revival in America. I say there is. In the days of President Eisenhower, in the late 50s, and Eisenhower recognized the threat of communism in America. And it was that Congress, as he was president, that led to the phrase, under God, being placed in our Pledge of Allegiance because he wanted every child in every classroom every day to be reminded our nation is not one nation of men, but it's one nation under God. He wanted them to understand that. And as he talked about the threats of a godless society that was coming uh, to uh, places uh, as, uh, as the Soviet Union and others, uh, he said, we don't want to be like that. And the Cold War was a spiritual war to him. And he promoted going back to church. God give us some leaders that will not just stand up for pro-life, but stand up and say, you know what? We just need to get back to the Word of God. Amen. You see, there needs to be a template for success. What about bringing our families back to the understanding that the sanctity of marriage is between a man and a woman? One of our justices boldly made that statement of which I greatly admired and appreciated. I have to say I was a bit surprised by it, but I appreciated the fact that they recognized, hey, we've made other mistakes and marriage is not between two things. Marriage is, and I'm not, I'm not being negative or, or, or uh, just calling a person a thing, but there are folks that uh, they want to marry two objects. Marriage is between a man and a woman. You see, there needs to be a template for victory. Now, here's a message I want to preach tonight. 
When you have a victory in life, you ought to analyze it like you do a failure. And you ought to write down what brought about that victory and say, if that brought victory yesterday, that might bring victory tomorrow. For example, reading your Bible in the morning, being in church on Sunday morning, the very first activity of the week, the very first thing, taking 10%, not 10% of your first 10% and say, God, I'm not just giving you a place in my life. I want you to be first place in my life. And you realize the blessings of that and you say, wow, that worked. I think I'll do it again. Templates for victory. I'll preach the message tonight. I want you to stand with you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the last two minutes while you're standing. We rejoice this morning in the victory of life. But if you do not have eternal life in Christ, you have just a temporary life to live. If you've never received Christ, whether you're here today or watching me online, you need to receive Christ today. If you're a child, if you're a teenager, if you're a young adult, if you're a senior citizen, you've never received Christ as Savior, today you ought to trust Christ as your personal Savior. Now, if you're not in the battle of serving God, you're not in His will, you ought to yield your life, you ought to surrender your life to the will of God today. Perhaps you need to become a member of the church today. You believe that's God's will for your life. Maybe you've been saved and not baptized. You need to let folks know publicly of your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You ought to come today and make that decision. We need to be more spiritual in our lives. Is there an area that you could improve on? Maybe you need to find a place at the altar today and make that decision and commitment. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless in our invitation time. I pray for those that do not know you as personal Savior. They know you, but they've never received you as a free pardon for sin. They've never received you as their Savior. I pray that today they would. Lord, today we have sensed a victory. We have rejoiced. We've celebrated a victory. It's been so long in coming, and we know exactly what brought it about. Lord, help us to press on. Help us not to let up and just rejoice, but to press on realizing this nation needs to come back to you and back to the book and back to its senses. Help us to stand as salt and light in this world for what you tell us is right. Bless our invitation in Jesus' name.